Hello listeners, Premier League football is back this weekend, so last weekend in England is back as well. It was an exciting round of football, so let's jump right into it. The first game of the week was Newcastle against Chelsea. Chelsea won comfortably 2-0 with an own goal in the first half and Tammy Abraham securing the win for the Blues. As I said, it was a very comfortable win for Chelsea in one of the more predictable games of the round. Uh, and these few weeks, I gotta say that they've done exactly what they were supposed to do. So they had an easier schedule playing against weaker teams, but they didn't let any room for chaos. They got comfortable wins, they got clean sheets, and now they're entering a tough period against better teams, but in a really good form and in a really good position in the table. So congrats to Frank Lampard and, and his team. There's not too much to say about Newcastle though. Without Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser, they're basically the same team from last year. And the team from last year doesn't stand a chance against this Chelsea team. However, if there's one positive to take from this game, it is that they had 8 shots, while they only had 4 against Southampton in the previous round. For Chelsea though, this is their third win in a row in the Premier League, and this is only the third time which Lampard has had a streak with at least 3 wins. The other time was back in June with 3 wins, and then the other streak was a 6-win streak last year around the same time. So let's see if they can actually get a 6-win streak again now. Next week for both teams, Newcastle visit Crystal Palace, while Chelsea are playing against Tottenham at Stamford Bridge. Next was Aston Villa against Brighton. Brighton won 2-1. Danny Welbeck opened the score for them, then Konsa equalized early in the second half for Solimarch to bring the win for his team. I think the referee's decision at the end of the game for me were correct. Lamptisfa was, des- was deserving a second yellow. Uh, the penalty was correctly overturned. The only decision I think he got wrong is when Trezeguet elbowed Veltman and then Grealish literally picked him up from the ground, which wasn't classy at all. I think that both players deserve to be booked, but apart from that, the VR decision in particular being so key to the game was correct and a proof that he used well. VAR can be a force for good. There is now an interesting tendency starting to form from Villa, so they have beaten Liverpool, Arsenal and Leicester, but have lost to Brighton, Leeds and Southampton. That's purely an observation, but it feels to me that against weaker on paper teams, Villa approached the game I would say even arrogantly. Certainly Barkley's injury didn't help, but they allowed two goals that could have been avoided and lost again. And for Brighton, this is actually the first time ever when they win at Villa Park in the history of English football, so a very, very significant win for them. And what's more concerning about Aston Villa, I would say, is their defense. So from the teams in the top 10, only Everton has allowed two or more goals on more occasions in seven games, while Aston Villa has allowed two or more in four of their eight games. In their first four, they had three clean sheets and two allowed goals, and in their next four, they allowed nine and only one clean sheet. Next week, Aston Villa visit West Ham, while Brighton play against Liverpool at home. Next was Tottenham against Man City. 2-0 for Tottenham, Hongming Son scored an early goal and then Giovanni Lo Celso scored the second one for the Spurs in the second half. Earlier this year, Spurs and City met and Tottenham won 2-0. And many people were saying how that was a Mourinho masterclass. Well, it certainly wasn't. It was just a bad team playing with 10 on the back and a City team that couldn't find their shooting boots. They hit the post, they had a penalty missed. Now, on Saturday, that was a Mourinho masterclass. City were completely outplayed. Uh, Spurs again didn't have too many chances, but they didn't need to because every counter-attack looked dangerous. While well, we thought that Man City will win this game because I still think they're the second best team in England, I can't help but say that Tottenham looked the way better side, even players-wise. No one in City's lineup touches Kane, only Sterling is as good or better than Son, and you know Aguero, obviously, but he's on the bench, He's he hasn't played in a while, uh, so 
in the end of the day, that maybe wasn't that surprising a victory. And City has been failing to score again and again and again this year. This was not the best game to celebrate Pep's new contract and they are now 13th after 9 game weeks. However, I'm not going to write them off so quickly because despite the loss, they're only 8 points from the top with a game in hand. What I can definitely say is that at this moment, teams look like they have figured out how City plays and it will be interesting to see whether they will respond, whether they will respond with something different in the coming weeks. And for Tottenham, they're in a really good streak as well. They have four wins in a row. The last time they did that was in February 2019. Well, the last time they had five wins in a row was in December 2018. So two years ago. Let's see if they can beat Chelsea and uh, get their fifth win in a row. And in terms of City, just to just to show how bad they've been performing in offense, 12 teams have scored more than them in the in the Premier League. They clearly missed David Silva, who even last year played 27 games. And they definitely missed their Higuero. So I think that uh, come January, or maybe or maybe next year, buying like a certified striker who can score 20 to 30 goals in the Premier League for them next year will be their biggest goal. And talking about next week, Spurs visit Chelsea, while City play against Burnley at home. Saturday finished with Man United against West Bromwich Albion. One new for Man United, Bruno Fernandes scored from the penalty spot, of course. But in all fairness, I think that all decisions were correct. Um, the West Bromwich penalty just doesn't look like that much of a contact. And United's penalty is, cle- is clear in terms of the standards uh, there are this year. However, the penalty reshooting is, is interesting for me. Because when Bruno scored, Sam Johnston did the exact same, t- same thing. But they didn't reshoot it. So is the rule for reshooting only if the penalty is saved? Or does it need to be reshot? Uh, even if even if it's not safe, that's that's what I really don't know, uh, and uh, would love to check. I have to say that this game really looked like West Bromwich against Spurs uh, from three weeks ago. So West Bromwich had chances to get a point of the game, uh, but they just couldn't. They couldn't score a goal, and uh, this is results like this are what sends a team down to the championship. So what we can say, is, well, it was another promising performance. The lack of points can be a good thing. And for Man United, this is their first home win in their fifth home game for this season. This is the longest they had to wait in the Premier League in all seasons to win at Old Trafford, with the previous record being three games in 1996-97 and 1992-93. Let's talk about Anthony Martial for a while. He's a great striker. I think we all know that when you, when you watch the games, you can see that he's definitely quality. But he doesn't have great numbers. Why? Well, here's why. In five games this season, he doesn't have a goal. He has only seven shots and he has only two of them on target. So he's prone to having these long streaks without a goal, which contributes to him having like weaker on paper numbers in general. Of course, he's still very young. It feels like he's been playing for ages, but he is very young. So he can only get better. And I really want him to get better because I really like him as a player. And talking about next week, Man United visit Southampton, while West Bromwich are playing at home against Sheffield United. Sunday started with Fulham against Everton. Everton won 3-2. Covered Lewin scored twice for them. Ducure brought one. And for Fulham, Reed and Ruben Loftus-Cheek were the scorers. Uh, I have to say, I didn't watch the game. I watched the highlights. But the highlights uh, being broadcasted by BBC, there were some real Sunday league vibes there. Without fans, it looks it looked really bad. So for once, I appreciated Sky and BT for the way they broadcast games. They definitely look them more than these games probably are. 
I have to say for Everton that with their full squad, they are dangerous, and the key word is balance. So James is there for the creative spark, but Richarlison is there for the brute attacking force, and Lewin is simply there for, to be the unstoppable finisher. Without Richarlison, we saw that Everton were quite toothless, but with him on the pitch, James can really do his magic. And, you know, of course, uh, Luka Dean being back, he had two assists this game, and if not for Andrew Robertson's phenomenal season, he's been the best left-back in the Premier League. And the fact that all three, all three goals came from the left speaks volumes about how important uh, Richarlison and Dean are for Everton. So they're definitely back in the mix and they don't play European football. That will be a major, major benefit in the rest of the games. These are two more points that Fulham lost because of a missed penalty. And, uh, you know, looking at Ivan Cavallero's other penalties, he had six out of seven scored before this one. But again, why is Mitrovic not shooting the penalties? Congrats to Fulham for playing good football and having shots on target, but that's just not enough uh, to get points and stay in the Premier League, especially when you get so many penalties and you miss so many of them. And talking about Everton, they have 16 points after 9 games, which is the most since 2013-2014, when they had 18 after 9 games, and that season the Toffees finished 5th. So that's definitely a promising start under Carlo Ancelotti. Fulham missed three consecutive penalties again three years ago, when Chris Martin missed two of them and Tim Ream missed once. And by the way, something that's interesting is that that season Fulham had 12 penalties in no competition and missed eight of them. That's ridiculous. And you know, if they miss eight of 12 penalties in the Premier League, they would probably get relegated. And in terms of next week, Fulham visit Leicester, while Everton plays against Leeds United at home. Next was Sheffield United against West Ham. West Ham won 1-0 after Sebastian Haller scored a great goal. I have to say that I'm starting to get really, really concerned about Sheffield United. While losses against Liverpool, City and Chelsea are justified, games like this will be crucial for the Blades and they lost 1-0 again, just like against Leeds, just like against Aston Villa. The difference between them and the 15 team is already 10 points. These are 4 games difference and they played well today. Uh, they were unlucky, but at this point, I'm just not confident in their survival as I was three weeks ago. I feel very much more confident with West Ham, though. Uh, I'm actually starting to like them a lot. Uh, this team knows what they want, they know how they want to play, they, they're very organized, and these one-new wins are so valuable for them. A top-10 finish would definitely be a step in the right direction after the 16th place last year, and I would love to see them succeed in that. Talking about West Ham and their good start... The last time they started so well was 5 years ago, when they had 17 points after 9 games and were 4th. Uh, this is the team that finished 7 with Dimitri Payet, so I don't think West Ham have a player who is as good as Payet was at the time. Uh, but I do think they have a really good combination of players, a really good squad. When talking about Sheffield United though, things look very, very bad. Because not only that they're the worst team in the Premier League this year, they're actually the worst team in the first nine, after nine games in the last 20 years in the Premier League, there hasn't been a team that started as bad as Sheffield United did in the last 20 years. You know, the Derbies and the Sunderlands, they had more points than Sheffield United at this stage. And, you know, Sheffield United is not a bad team. There's something, there's something going on there. And I'm sad to see it because I live in Sheffield, I support Sheffield United, but what can you do? They, should, they just have to be better. And next week they visit West Bromwich Albion in what is a crucial game for, for them. While West Ham play against Aston Villa at home. Next was Leeds Arsenal. 
it was a new new draw but what a new new draw it was so many chances really interesting game red cards and actually it's good to start with the red card of Nicola Pepe I wonder whether Pepe has played his last game for Arsenal in the Premier League Arteta was fuming with him after the game and so the way he spoke on him suggests that he might be on the way out and let's not forget that Pepe arrived in England after a season with 22 goals and 11 assists for 80 million he was supposed to form this deadly trio with Lacazette and Aubameyang but this is clearly not working. In 39 games for Arsenal since joining he has 11 goals and assists, which is not horrible, but this is not what was expected from him. And on top of that now, uh, when he does something like that, and you know his body language is very passive, he looks uninterested, he doesn't track back, he doesn't help Bayern. You know, I would love to have to, for him to have a comeback story and put the league on fire after his suspension, but I don't think that will happen. I think the most likely scenario is that he falls out of this squad. On the other side, Leeds had 25 shots this game and only 4 of them were on target. And granted, they hit the post 3 times, but they're just not good enough in the finishing with their finishing touches. This is the second time they passed a 20 shots mark this season. They have the same number of shots on target as Chelsea, but Chelsea has 7 more goals. And that speaks volume about the difference in the in the ranking, you know, Chelsea being on on top and Leeds being in the second in the second half. And you know, for example, Rodrigo Someone that I said I'm not confident that he can finish. Well, to be fair, it's been mostly Rodrigo being unlucky rather than a bad finisher because this was the third time that he's hit the woodwork. And only Trussard has more than him with four. So these three posts, if they're goals, uh, we speak how Rodrigo is starting greatly in the Premier League. So, you know, we got to give it to, to this, that they're playing good football, they're trying, they're making a lot of chances, but sometimes they just don't have the luck to score goals. On a positive note for Arsenal, though, this is this is their sixth clean sheet in 15 Premier League away games under Arteta. And in the previous 44 away games, they had six clean sheets. So, obviously, you know, we got to say that it, it, it hasn't all been bad under their new, their new Spanish manager. And next week, they have a game at home. They're playing against Wolverhampton, while Leeds visit Everton. The Sunday main event was Liverpool against Leicester. And what a game it was. Liverpool won 3-0. On goal from Johnny Evans, Diogo Jota header and a Firmino header gave Liverpool the win. I have to say though, I'm starting to get genuinely concerned for Liverpool's players. Most of them are international players and very important for their teams. Liverpool plays the Tuesday-Saturday cycle until mid-December and then will play Premier League's Christmas cycle. They already have so many missing players and it just seems ridiculous how this team will make it based on the way they play. Last year, I think one of the things that conserved the players and let them win so many games was how it was obvious that they saved their energy in many games. I remember specifically one against Tottenham when Liverpool won 1-0. At around the 75th minute, Tottenham was not pressing. And on the back, Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez were literally passing one to another until a Spurs player came and started pressing them. So that's what I'm talking about. And this year, they're playing with way more intensity. The league is more competitive and they have to play with more intensity. So I'm just hopeful that Klopp's interview after the game will have an effect and we will see more rest for the players because this is getting unbearable. However, Liverpool did play amazing football, specifically this game, and Leicester will play it out of the park. What's concerning is the easiness with which Liverpool are creating chances. They had 3.7 expected goals. When the max Leicester allowed before this game was 1.9 against Burnley, when Burnley scored 2. They, they need to learn their lesson and pick up very fast because at the end of the day this is the champion of England. 
they still fielded some top-notch players and their team played amazing. So Leicester shouldn't make too big of a tragedy out of this game. I have to give credit to Andrew Robertson, who's having an incredible season. In the middle of an absolute nightmare for Liverpool in terms of injuries, he's rising to the occasion and he's leading the flank. He already has 3 assists, his goal creating chances per 90 is 0.78 as it was 0.58 last season. He's the only Liverpool player that still has featured in every single minute and has the most passes by a mile. He has 7 goal creating action which is 5th in the league out of all players. He's proving to be the best left back in the world. On the other side, Johnny Evans, he scored his 6th own goal and in the Premier League only Richard Dunn, Martin Skrtel and Jamie Carragher scored more on goals. Next week Liverpool visit Brighton while Leicester play against Fulham at home. The early game on Monday was Burnley against Crystal Palace. Burnley won 1-0. Chris Wood scored an early goal and then they were able to keep their lead. It was a very exciting game and Burnley started with a lot of energy. It seems that they wanted to win the game a lot uh, more than Crystal Palace and so that early goal served them well. After that it was something that we've seen so many times. Defensive heroism on Turf Moor and this win is specifically important for them, uh, considering that Paul Fulham, West Bromwich and Sheffield United lost this weekend. And now with a game in hand, they can feel a little more comfortable, at least for a week. Without Zaha, Crystal Palace played better than I expected them to. They created a lot of chances. And the fact that Nick Pope was the man of the match says it all. I think that Eze could be a transformative player. Uh, the fluidity in their game looks well improved. And I don't think they deserve to lose today. Uh, but in the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Uh, Zaha will be back probably next week if not the week after they do have a good team uh, in the beginning of the year I, I thought that they might have some problems and they might struggle to make it to top 10 I'm still not sure they can make it to top 10 but I think they will comfortably stay in the Premier League and so they will definitely finish maybe between 12th and 8th before lockdown Burnley were winning 1.5 points on Turf Moor and after that after the restart, they've been winning only 0.7. So this is a good way to start another good streak on their pitch. And in the end of the day, Turf Moor is a happy place, as they love to say. Uh, without Zaha, Palace struggled when playing away. Since January 2017, he hasn't featured in seven away games. And Palace lost every single one of them, as they scored one and conceded 18. Next week, Burnley visit Manchester City, while Crystal Palace play in Newcastle. The last game of the week was Wolverhampton against Southampton, 1-1 draw, Walker gave Southampton the lead, but Pedro Neto equalized for Wolves. Walker did score for them after 14 years, but I actually think that he cost the Saints two more points in this game. Uh, the chance after that great ball from, from Che Adams was just certain a silver platter. He should have scored, and if he scores that one, Southampton win, and you know I have to say that I love Theo Walker and I always wanted him to be, be successful. But specifically in this game, I think he caused more harm rather than help his team. Wolverhampton uh, were actually the better side. They deserved to win this one. Uh, this was the most expected goals they've had in a game this season. And so while they, they have only one win in four games and uh, they're still ninth, they're only six points away from the top. Uh, and I'm starting to get more optimistic about their development this season because I can see how with every game they get more comfortable. In the end of the day, they had a lot of new players this summer. So I trust Nuno Espirito Santo. I think he's he's a very good manager. And I could see them making another jump this season, maybe. This was actually the first time in the Premier League when they played with four on the back. Let's see if Santo keeps playing with four on the back. If that's going to be something he experiments more with. 
or they're going to be back to three next week. And with the assist for Walker, Che Adams now has six goal involvements this season, three goals and three assists, as many as he had the whole last campaign. It's been nine games, so the development of Che Adams is very significant and very important for Southampton. Next week, Wolverhampton play against Arsenal, while Southampton play Man United at home. And now let's talk about predictions. Let's check the prediction from last week. My comfort pick was Liverpool beating Leicester, which was correct. And my hot pick was that Fulham will beat Everton, which was wrong. However, Fulham had their chances. They missed a penalty. It's still a wrong prediction, though. My predictions for next week now are that City will beat Burnley as my comfort pick. And my hot pick is that Spurs will comfortably beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And the player of the round for me is Andy Robertson. After 120 minutes against Serbia the previous week, 90 minutes against Israel on Wednesday, after all minutes played for Liverpool in the Premier League and most minutes played in the Champions League, to come out and perform this way without Liverpool's rest of the starting defence was absolutely phenomenal and he deserves the player of the round award. This was everything for this week. Subscribe to the podcast as there should be another episode of On The Spot coming up. And of course, until next week.